Good morning. Welcome to the first day of the new year. It was um, real interesting as uh, when Colin asked me if I would uh, speak today, I said, because I, I don't know about you, but in my life, um, I, I've got a lot of baggage back here, okay? And so I have these automatic thoughts that just bang. I mean, when somebody says something or uh, they do something or I'm in a situation, um, there's these thoughts that just pop into my head and I really... I've learned to turn them off, you know, if they're not good ones. Um, but when Colin asked me to do this, I was going, New Year's Day. He wants me to speak on New Year's Day. Boy, there was a time in my life when to even think about what I would be doing on New Year's Day other than trying to maybe recover from some kind of hangover, I couldn't imagine anything else. I, I if remember what I had done the night before. I'm my, at least my story would have been, um, well, I'm sure that I rang it in well. Uh, so this is kind of an interesting position for me uh, to be here this morning, but, but I'm glad I'm here. And, and I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I didn't spend um, my New Year's Eve and New Year's Day uh, the way that I did for, for many days, ushering in a new year. Um, but as I think about it, there was a time, and it seemed like back in those days, that every year, every New Year's Day, it usually took about a week into it after New Year's Day, that I would start telling myself, I'm not going to do that anymore. Th- things have to change. I can't keep doing that. Can't keep this lifestyle. It's got to change. Have you ever said that? I mean, you know, it may, you may not be. It may not be drugs. It may not be alcohol. It may not be some of the things. And I hope that weren't uh, things that that you can relate to as far as what I've done. But we've all done things. There, there. At least I hope there's something in your life that you've you've said before that. Things have to change. I just, I mean, I got, uh, I've got to control my anger. I've got to control uh, um, my procrastination. I've got to finish things that I start. Things have to change. I have to do, I have to do better. <clears throat> That's what I want us to kind of reflect on this morning. You know, and we may say those things. We may say things have to change, and we may make those resolutions. Um, but why don't we keep them? I mean, why aren't we able to carry it out? What, what, what happens to us that when we make those resolutions or we make those promises, uh, we make those pledges to ourselves and to others that it's just not, whatever the it is, it's just not going to happen again. But we keep finding ourselves in that same space that same place, doing it one more time, we begin to feel the guilt and the shame, and we start over. Not going to happen. Things are going to change. This is the conversation that I want to have this morning, and I, I hope that it will be a conversation, because one of the things I firmly believe, that transformation comes one conversation at a time. 
And the conversation must keep going. It can't be just one conversation and then it's over. It happens one conversation at a time and the conversations keep going. They don't stop. We, we have to, to recognize the, the power that temptations have over our life and how we, we just we have a hard time resisting them. It's kind of like we're Paul. We, some of us like that little section in Romans chapter 7 where Paul says, why do I do the things I don't want to do and the things I want to do I don't do? And he kind of just goes back and forth talking about all that. And we, we know the passage in um, James chapter 1. And, and this is kind of Galen Jones' paraphrase, but you can open your Bibles or your text there, James chapter 1, where James says, um, you know, the problem is, is that is this desire. And, and really the problem is, is not so much the desire, it's misguided desire. It's when you take those desires and you run with them, sin is born and then death. And it's not God's fault. It's yours. You play a role in it. And we see it over and over again in the text. We see it going back from uh, Genesis chapter, chapter 3 in the fall, Adam and Eve. You know, when you got the, the, the serpent there and he comes, to Adam, uh, he comes to Adam and Eve and, you know, he starts talking and says, okay, why do you want to wait? Again, this is a Galen Jones paraphrase, okay? Why do you want to wait? Why, why do you want it, something that's going to happen later? You can go ahead and have some things now that would be pretty cool. So why don't you just go for the immediate gratification? And I, I don't know about you, but typically I know that there are some long-term benefits that I always look forward to. But when that immediate, the, the possibility for the immediate gratification pops in, it's crazy. It's hard for me to stay focused on the long-term benefit because I want the immediate gratification. You know, we say things like we're going to eat less, exercise more. I don't know how many times I've said that. Spend less money, save more. Get angry less, be more understood and be more understanding. Serve more and expect less of others. But we have this cycle. How do we break the cycle? How do we change the dance? How can we do that? There's a, um, a lot of studies have been done. Uh, and, and I've got a video clip, but let me just kind of set this up for you. Uh, there was a study called the mushroom test. Or, I'm sorry, the marshmallow test. <laughs> you can see where my head's at, okay? <laughs> I told you about those automatic thoughts. Just, uh, but the marshmallow test. How many of you know about the marshmallow test? couple of you. Um, the marshmallow test was done back in the 60s, and what they did is they took some preschool children, and they put them in a room, and they put, set them at a table, and they uh, put a marshmallow um, in front of them and told them, they said, um, what you can do is you can have one marshmallow, you can eat this now, or if you wait, you can have two. And I'm going to leave the room, I've got to go do something, and if you stay in your seat and don't eat the marshmallow, then I'll bring you another one back and you can have two marshmallows. But you can go ahead and eat the one now if you want. But you get two if you wait. Okay? Um, two out of five of the preschool children ate the marshmallow. Let's roll the clip. 
Do you notice their coping skills? Um, you know, they licked it. They played with it. Tried to avoid looking at it. Um, think about the, the coping skills that you have, that you've developed, that try to help you move past those things that you want to change in your life. Like I said, we, we say we're going to eat less and exercise more, and we really struggle with um, that short-term gratification. Um, thinking about the, the long-term benefits of just waiting. What I want to do is I want to share with you some stages that I think we can go through and use for a transformation stages uh, to, to help us. For those of us that, some, I know some of you go, well, I don't, I don't even make New Year's resolutions. I don't even like them, so I'm, I'm not even there. But even if you don't like New Year's resolutions, if there's something that you want to change, this is one formula that I've used in my life to help me get where I am today. Um, and I couldn't do any of this without God, without the power of the Holy Spirit working in my life, placing people in my life that have shared some things, some very important things with me along the way. And these are some things that, that worked in my life after trying to change on my own in so many, so many parts of my life. Um, the whole idea, and when I, came, when I came in, every time somebody sees me with a tie and, and a, uh, or a sports coat on, everybody goes, what are you doing? You, you preaching? And uh, somebody mentioned this morning, said, did you make a New Year's resolution to wear a suit and tie? And I said, yes, one day. <laughs> We're going to do it today. Um, but the first stage is observation. And, and I call this the out-of-body experience, okay? So when you're sensing the anxiety or the stress that, that comes up when you know that you're going to do something, or you, you know you're about to do something that you don't want to do, okay? I want you to have an out-of-body experience, and I want you to begin to, to, to just make observations of what is going on. What is, what is it that's happening? What's, what's causing this particular anxiety, this anxiousness? It, whether I, it may be that um, I, I don't finish what I start, I procrastinate, I make excuses for myself. He, hear what's going on and make, make observations of your environment of what's going on. Think about, um, in many times we, we have what's called... Uh, Idealistic distortion, okay? We, we tend to minimize what we're doing. Even though we know that we want to change, we say that it's not so bad, okay? Well, it's not, it's not really that bad. So we have this idea, <clears throat> idealistic distortion. The, the flip side of that, because when I, I think about this, I, I, I think about an individual that came and, and, and talked to me one day and said, hey, I have this friend that I really like, but all... All they do is complain. They, they just complain all the time about all this stuff in their life. And, and they're, they're just constantly complaining. And I get to where I just don't want to be around them. But I really like them. They're really, good, you know, really a good, good friends. So is it, you got any, anything that you can do that, that, that can kind of, any advice or skill that you can, you can teach me to kind of help me get past this? Because it's really annoying. Because all they do is complain about their life. 
And I said, sure, I've got, you can try this uh, and, and see what happens. Is when they start complaining, well, at first I said, what do you do? And I said, well, I try to tell them it's not so bad. You know, it can't be that bad. I said, stop. Don't tell them it's not bad. In fact, do just the opposite. In fact, start to tell them how bad you see their life is. And just see what happens and let me know. And come back and tell me. So, well, they, they went off and came back months ago. He said, Kaylin, that was amazing. It, it really worked. They started telling me how bad their life was. And rather than me trying to say, yeah, no, and it's not really that bad, I started going, wow, your life is really a mess. Then they started telling me how good it was. Um, idealistic distortion. Um, think about how we set ourselves up for failure, okay? Because typically when we're trying to make a change, there are things that are going on in our life that will automatically set us up for failure, okay? We won't be able to achieve it because we're, we're setting this up and we're really not paying attention to it. Um, I was, had the pleasure a long time ago and far away, I was uh, walking with an individual that was drinking a case of beer a day. Okay? That's a lot of fluid. I, I have a hard time drinking eight glasses of water a day. Uh, but a case of beer a day. Okay? And they wanted to quit. And I, so I just said, well, okay, so what's, what's happening? How does this work? They said, well, you know, I get up and I, and, and I uh, go to work. And on the way home, I stopped to get gas. And when I stopped to get gas, I pick up a case of beer and um, take it home. And then we'll just, I just start drinking. And I said, well, what would happen if you um, didn't stop and get gas? Well, I couldn't get home because I have to get home. Well, what if you, you know, used a credit card? She goes, he goes, because what, what happens is I walk by the, the, the counter where the, the, the glass where the beer is, and I just can't resist, so I reach in and grab so I said, won't you pay at the pump? Well, the gas station didn't pay at the pump. Okay. Um, but, but do you see that how setting ourselves up, the, the, at the end of the day, they set all the stages, all this process up so it would help them be able to buy the case of beer and take it home. Okay. So make those observations. What is it um, that you're doing what are things that are going on, situations that are happening that keep you from being able to keep those promises and pledges that you've made to yourself and to others? Observe the voices. Listen to what the voices say. What do you hear? Now, I, and I'm not talking about, um, you know, kind of like voices with schizophrenia or some, you know, uh, mental disorder, but, but all of us talk to ourselves and, and we hear voices. It was just like, when Colin asked me to preach on New Year's Day, uh, the, there was a voice that came into my head and said, Galen, this is really funny, isn't it? And I just had to shut that one out. I, I did entertain it a little while because I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, but these are some of the voices. Uh, see, these are some of the voices that we hear that kind of keep us stuck. Some of those are, it doesn't really matter. It's not a big deal. No one knows. No one really cares. It's better that I do this than fill in the blank. It's always been this way. I've never been able. It's too hard. It's my personality type. God made me this way. It's not my fault. And as you observe the voices, 
Ask yourself, where are these voices coming from? Are these voices that are born out of the Spirit of God that dwells within each of us who have put on Christ in baptism? Or are these from the flesh? And identify where they're coming from. And if they're from the flesh, tell them to shut up. Tell them to be quiet. Shut them down. Listen to the Spirit's voice. The second stage is reflect. And here we, what we do is we take those observations that we've made and we begin to reflect on them. And we ask ourselves for it to, and ask questions about those to gain a kingdom understanding. And we ask something like, questions like, what God might be showing me? What, what could God be showing me right now? What could He be trying to teach me through this situation? What is God doing? What's God's movement in this? What is my participation? How am I keeping this thing going? It's always interesting when you see two little kids and, and they're playing chase and one complains because the other one keeps chasing. One keeps chasing the other. You know how they, that, you know how you stop that? Stop running. You see, if I keep running, then the person can chase me. But if I'm not running, there's no game. So, so we, we, we think about the things that, that we do so that we can break the cycle and move on. And we reflect on these. Reflection takes time. And a lot of times we don't have time to reflect. Or we don't take the time to reflect. The third stage is we share and discuss the observations and the reflections. You see, sharing those things, the observations and the reflections, brings those things into light. James 4.16 says that we should confess our sins to one another. And one of the things that happens, until we bring things into the light, they have power over us. And they'll continue to haunt us and continue to keep us stuck. But once we bring it into the light, it loses its power. And confession brings us and moves us toward, towards repentance and change. The fourth stage is that we have to have a plan. We have to have a concrete plan, plan of action. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, In Christ we are new creatures. Okay? New things come, old things go away. But there's got to be a plan. At this stage, we discover our part in the problem, and we ask ourselves, okay, um, if this is what I believe God is doing, then I should do fill in the blank. If this is what I believe God is teaching me through this situation, then I'm going to do, and we fill in the blank. And we can't answer it, I'll avoid it. Okay? There are situations, there are things that we need to change that sometimes we need to avoid till we get in a position where we can be around it. But avoiding the situation will not help us build up the antibodies that we need to be able to make the change so it's not tempting us anymore. That makes sense? It's kind of like I use the illustration. Does everybody get the flu shot? Did most of you get the flu shot? Y'all get the flu shot? This is a yet. This, no? Okay. Um, you know what they give you when they give you the flu? 
I just said it. I don't know why that never works for me. But you know when they give you the flu shot, they do give you the flu. So your body will build up antibodies. So you can't just avoid. Okay? But you have to have a plan that's going to allow you to lean into these things and be in the situation so you can recognize what's going on. But there has to be a plan, and that plan has to be shared. One of the suggestions, and this would be a suggestion that I would offer to you, find three to five things that you can do every day Three to five things that you can do every day that will help you move towards your goal. Okay? These will be things that you will do every day. Uh, some of you know that, that I, if you look on Facebook, I, I tweet relationship builders and relationship killers. The reason that I started doing that was that was one of my five things that I try to do every day to help me move toward a goal that I have for my life. Another one of those things is I will read every day. And I read and I write every day. And those are two of the five that I do every day to try to help me reach some goals that I have for my life. Another one is a commitment contract. Write out a commitment contract. And this is what a, basically what a commitment contract is. A commitment contract says that you're going to do something and if you don't do it, there's going to be consequences that are worse if you... Uh, the consequences are going to be worse if you do worse than what it would be if you did what you were trying to change. I've got to get that worded right. I've even scrambled my brain. Of course, that's not difficult. But um, Does that make sense? For example, there, there was a, a, an individual set up a little device because they like to sleep in, and they kept hitting snooze, and they wanted to not, not do that. They wanted to get up and get their day started, get off to the gym and do this, but they would wind up sleeping through. So they set up a little deal where um, for every minute that they slept past the alarm that they snoozed, a deposit was made to a charity that they didn't like. That's a commitment contract, okay? So where the, the consequence is worse, okay? And it has to be something that's really bad, okay? It can't be something that, that's good and something that you can't turn off. Fifth stage, share the plan. You can't do it alone. Share that plan with somebody that you can trust, with the people that you've already shared the observations and reflections with. And finally, the sixth stage, take action and continue to share your progress. Make sense? I pray that this 2017 will be a year of transformation for you. And I hope that maybe this little six-stage process, remember the stages, they all kind of blend together. It's not just, I finish this one, I finish this one. It's an ongoing process throughout the year. I pray this for you. Let us pray as we conclude. May our God and creator of the universe, creator of the things that we see and the things that we do not see, may you open up the eyes of our hearts. May you give us good eyes so that we can discern the things that are good for us 
give us the patience that we need, the courage that we need, and the strength that we need to make the changes in our lives that, that we need to make as we move into 2017. May you give us these eyes so that we can see the things that you've prepared for us each day as we begin this new year that will be full of opportunities to see you and how you're working in our life and to serve you, our gracious God and Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.